Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome back to the FPL Roundtable, the only fantasy Premier League podcast where we guarantee that you might learn something about fantasy, probably. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and this is our last show for Play Toggle, where we're going to talk all things Draft FPL. Um, Rob Langevin yeah. is my co-host. Yes. yes. How are you That's doing, me. buddy? I'm good. I'm good. How's it going, Kevin? How's it going, people at home listening in for their the Taga goodness in a four-part series? Uh, so basically, if this was uh, like a like a, I guess like a meal, this would be dessert or maybe like a, maybe like a brandy. After dinner, brandy, we'll guess. Mm. But this is going to have the meat and potatoes of, of everything because we're actually going to talk about players this week and player rankings and where we think players should fall in drafts and player comparisons and all that kind of good stuff. So uh, if you're in a draft league and this is an essential episode, I mean, don't skip the first three episodes. I mean, probably listen <laughs> to those 10 times, but listen to this one like 12 times. That's uh, good advice. Listen to our show as many times as you'd like. Um uh, all right, so you raised an excellent point about all the players we're going to get to later. I think we're largely going to focus on positions where there's a lot of players there, like the Liverpool midfield, the Chelsea defense, stuff like that. But uh, mm-hmm. just like we've done the last couple of weeks, we're going to start off with some transfer news, of which there has been plenty. The biggest, of course, being the uh, unofficial swap deal of Romelu Lukaku for Wayne Rooney. That is they were officially two separate deals, but it feels like that a lot. Um, yeah. Let's start with Lukaku at Manchester United. Are, are you thinking that this adds to his fantasy value? Uh, you know, I think this seems to be the, a huge strain of contention across the you know the, the Twitter universe and fantasy universe. Um, w- will he be more than he was at Everton, or will he be more at United based on what's around him? I kind of lead that he's going to be pretty much the same only because I'm scared of what United are going to have around him to take away from the whole. Uh, I think they have more players around him that could develop their own shots, own play and score goals on their own that they don't have to directly feed through the Romelu Lukaku up top, like Everton kind of player. Uh, United has a lot of, a lot of, you know, fundamentally good players now fantasy wide fantasy wise up top you know i mean in, in the play taga format paul pogba is is probably most likely a first round pick uh mctarin is in the top 30 i would say and then you can just trickle down economics to basically everyone who gets a starting nod in their in their roster in their front six or seven whoever they choose to play um is probably rosterable based on matchup now i think that united are better as a whole than Everton are and still currently are, so if that makes sense. But I think Lukaku is probably in that. I'm probably not going to eclipse last year's goals. What do you have, 25 last year? He's probably, if, if he scores 25, you'd probably shake his hand and be happy with that because he's probably going to finish in the top two or three goal scorers in the Premier League. And that's basically what you want from a forward, especially with the, the dearth and lack of 
forwards that can mm-hmm. score in in a play toggle format. Uh, I, I mean, I'm I'm expecting okay returns, but it's basically the 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 things that we thought last year coming into the season that you know Ibrahimovic could do in the United offense. Yeah, uh, in in an article I wrote for Goal this week, um, I brought up the fact that. Uh, Manchester United had both more crosses and more chances created than Everton did last year. And kind of the point I reached there um, was basically that uh, any Mm -hmm. regression that Lukaku will face, uh, because this was his best year ever in goals, shots on target, chances created, and shot accuracy percentage. So is it uh, projectable to say he'll do better than all of those again? Uh, More than other players, because he has improved year on year in, in all those stats for now three consecutive years, ever since moving to Everton permanently. But uh, even if he does regress, I think the fact that Manchester United are a stronger team around him will keep that neutral. So yeah, I'd agree with you. I think I think we're going to be within two goals either direction. So like a five-goal mm-hmm. spread, anywhere from like 23 to 27. I don't think this is a 30-plus kind of situation. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think there are definitely going to be goals here. On the other yeah. side of this deal, you have Wayne Rooney returning to Everton. After quite some time, prodigal son style. Uh, what do you think we're going to see out of him fantasy-wise uh, when he returns to the Toffees? Uh, it's interesting about Rooney. Um, I think his name is a popular name, especially in draft style, because people are going to expect you know previous awesomeness. Um, but the smart person who's actually drafting is probably going to draft him right where he should be, and that's probably in the last three or four rounds. Um, his capabilities there are based solely on... A, his health, B, his fit with the team and where he plays, and the minutes that he's allotted. Um, I'm, not, I'm not expecting a ton there. Um, I mean, could he give you uh, uh, maybe a, a Morellish-type return, fantasy point-wise? Possibly. But I'm not, ba- I'm not drafting him and going, you know what, I'm, wide, I'm, I'm riding Wayne Rooney as my, you know, my midfielder too here. Um, yeah, it, it all depends on where he plays, what pieces are around him, what formation Everton plays, what Coleman wants to do, you know, Ross, you know, sit like strike, uh, attack wise. It, it, there's a lot of ifs right now that we won't really know until we start getting closer to the season. But Wayne Rooney is a name that you can probably pencil in. You're he's, you know what he is. Remember, remember a couple episodes ago, we talked about Matt Ritchie. Someone is going to yeah. be that guy who jumps on Matt Ritchie early. It's going to be the same thing with Wayne Rooney. Uh, Wayne Rooney is going to be one of those guys that if you're sitting in the middle rounds and you see Wayne Rooney's name on the board, you're like, eh, why not? This is exactly what's going to happen. I'm probably pleading everyone at, at home who's listening to this right now. If you see Wayne Rooney on the board, let somebody else draft him. There's probably equal or you know on-par fantasy options that you could rely on more in, a, in probably a more up-tempo offense that you, than you can with Wayne Rooney. Yeah, I, I think there's a... A lot of sense in there, and there are kind of too many cooks in the kitchen there at Everton at the Tons. moment, so we do kind Tons. of need to see what happens first. And um, and, and getting back to, to Lukaku, I wanted to add this before, but mm-hmm. we, we jumped over the Barkley. The one thing that Lukaku has this year that he's never, ever had, he's going to be playing extra games this year that are going to be important to United because I think that Mourinho probably plays more him more often than not in, in the tournament games and build up with the Champions League and such like that. Um, so there's that. What what's your actual take on that? That so he won't so start as many Premier League so, games because no, there's, there's just more games, so more you know physical wear on his body, uh, you know wear and tear. That's all. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, it, one thing it really does that's interesting is um, what does it do for players like Marcus Rashford or Anthony Martial, who both of them, with the departure of Ibrahimovic, seemed, uh, you know, kind of heir apparents that have now been surpassed for a second straight year. Mm-hmm. Because two years ago, when Rooney was clearly regressing, it looked like it was going to be one of those two up front. They bring in Ibrahimovic. He leaves. Then they have the chance to promote either of them again and don't. Um, where do you think that those two should be drafted? Um, I think Rashford is probably uh, forward maybe 18, 19, 20, somewhere in there. Uh, Martial is probably further down the, further down the trough. Uh, I, I don't know what if there's going to be enough for those two players to go around. I think there's more of the intangible game, uh, especially in the Playtago format, uh, for players like Mkhitaryan. I would even say Juan Mata, uh, you know, obviously Andrew Herrera, Paul Pogba. There's tons of guys that are going to be drafted ahead of those guys, and I probably wouldn't draft them, and as just for like a maybe like a handcuff factor. Nothing, nothing going to be hoped for them. You know, he, they may be a guy that you, you you roster basically if you own Lukaku, and Lukaku is your forward, and Lukaku sits that day, and you have their you have Rashford or you have. You know, Martial as the replacement, basically defining what a handcuff is. Hmm. <laughs> you did sure do that. Um, yeah, I do think it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. I, I think I would prefer Rashford over Martial. I mean, the fact that Manchester yeah. United are even reportedly in discussions with Ivan Perisic for that left side mm-hmm. shows the lack of faith they have in Martial as if we needed any further proof. Martial, by the way, who I think would be a top 10 forward in the Premier League if he was getting consistent minutes as a forward. Like, he was Mbappe before Mbappe happened. Like, that's the that's the level of hype that was around him when he was at Monaco. You, you need um, to say that sentence the right way. He was Mbappe before Mbappe was Mbappe. <laughs> uh, if I pronounce it two different ways, then one of the times I'm right. That gives me at least a 50%, um, <laughs> which is what I'm going for here. Um but yeah, so it will be interesting to see how all of that shakes out. As you said, I do think Mkhitaryan will go fairly early in drafts. And I think that's a reflection of the fact that most people tend to think um, that he will be playing more consistently this season than last. He certainly ended the year well, uh, at least in Europe. Whether or not that mm-hmm. translates more to the Premier League, time will tell. Uh, there have been a few other moves, including Antonio Rudiger to Chelsea. Rumors that Zuma may be on the way out. We touched on this a little bit last week, but thought we should dive into it a little bit more. Uh, where do you think he'll fit into this Chelsea defense, or do you think he'll fit in? Uh, I think he'll fit in. I just I worry about when he's going to play in Premier League action. That's my biggest concern. Um, if you're looking at him, yeah, he's got a name. He could do some things for fantasy. If you look at his stats, he's a he's an excellent the excellent defender. He could uh, he could you know cross the ball, do whatever. Do he can basically do everything you want from a defender on a top flight team. Um, but I worry about who who is he sub who are they substituting out of the Chelsea defense that finished in the top you know top two last year. Uh, you know it, he's I don't think he plays over as Pulaqueta. I don't think he plays over uh, on the opposite side. So I mean, where does he fit in? I know he's a he's a phenomenal talent, but I mean, depth wise, is, is he with all the with all the rumors? You know, Ake is now gone. Zuma is now gone. Is is Rudiger basically the fourth? defender now you know the straight defender i'm not talking about the alonzo or the moses is you know is he the is he the fourth defender that gives them depth because he, he gives them the ability that he can play in the center for a cahill and he can play wide for you know for an aspola quetta 
that's the only thing I worry about. He's probably going to be a, a popular name because he's going to get drafted because he plays for Chelsea and he does have a, a marquee name because he has played abroad and he does have stats that back up his play. Uh, I just worry about the beginning of the season where he fits in. Um, I think he'll probably not finish in the top 20 overall defensively, but there's arguments to say that he could because, you know, who knows what happens, you know, as Pulaqueta could fall on his face, as Pulaqueta could fall and, fall and get hurt. You know, Cahill could could get suspended for drugs. A- any of those things can happen because <laughs> because those are all realms of possibility. Yeah, I'm not going to endorse that whole uh, Cahill's on steroids thing, but if you want to tweet it out, feel free. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really think he holds a whole lot of innate value to start with, but as you say, he he could become very relevant very quickly. Uh, although it's worth mentioning that he wasn't really starting for Roma much last season either. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. We kind of joked about when that deal happened, when we were profiling him. He's like, oh, so he's kind of like Zuma? He was like, yeah, he's a lot like that. Yeah. Um, Zuma. It makes total uh, sense. Yeah. Zuma, on the other hand, potentially on the way out, uh, the rumors being loan p- potential loans to either Stoke or West Brom. And all of a sudden, I think I speak for both of us when I say we would love that. That would be. Oh, absolutely. That would give him absolutely. so much him and- value. And both of them are teams that are somewhat competent defensively. Yeah. Uh, in a draft style, he would have immediate value, and he'd probably be a defender th- two or three. He'd probably be in your starting lineups. And, like, official game type stuff, um, yeah, his price would probably carry a Chelsea with Chelsea luggage, so you probably don't want that. Yeah, but in draft style, you know. Oh, absolutely. I'd love, I'd love him. I'd yeah. let him marry my sister. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, we do have a few other moves. A little less exciting. Burnley bring in Jack Cork and Jonathan Walters. Uh, mentioned that we talk a little bit about uh, position depth, which we're kind of doing right now anyway. But of of this kind of cavalcade of Burnley strikers, with you have Andre Gray, um, you have Sam Vokes, you have uh, who's that other guy that it, like scored every shot? Barnes, he took? Ashley Barnes, Ashley Barnes, and now you have Jonathan Walters. Are you sticking with the Andre Gray thing? Are you leaning more Vokes? Does Walters even register on your radar right now? Yeah, I don't think I don't think Walters is unless you're unless you're in like a 14 or 16 team league. I don't think Walters comes into play. Andre Gray is the is the, is the most draftable guy there. Um, he's probably towards the tail end of you know before, like I mentioned before, he's going before Rashford, but not as high as say like you know Vardy or somebody like that. So he's in between like the top 12 to the, he's in the 12 to 20 range, I would say. Uh, Ashley Barnes, Vokes, Vokes is, a, is probably a, a late-round flyer for you, only because of what he showed last year. He does have a good conversion rate. Barnes is a, has a ridiculously even better conversion rate. Um, there, Barnes is probably waiver-wire fodder, and if he probably needs an injury from Andre Gray or a transfer out from Andre Gray or you know, injuries to both guys. Because I, I don't think a set of two or three of these guys will see the pitch at the same time, especially not Walters. I think Walters is that, is that, that substitute with starch coming off the bench. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not too excited about him. Jack Cork, on the other hand, will probably start the majority of the games with them losing Joey Barton to his gambling suspension, which they did know was coming. Uh, they just didn't know how bad it was. And I think it's two years, if I'm remembering yeah. right, uh, that he's going to be gone. So they bring ba- back Jack. Wow. Yeah, they bring back Jack Cork. Um, and so you assume he's going to plug in in that central midfield role. Unfortunately, I don't really think he's going to offer much. Uh, from a fantasy context, other players like that include Roque Mesa, who goes to Swansea, which is what made them able to sell Cork on to Burnley. Um, but then Vicente Ibora is interesting, was the captain at Sevilla last year, didn't get the minutes he needed to, 
uh, scored plenty of goals. Are we thinking that he's going to break into this uh, lesser side, probably alongside Ndidi? Question mark. He might. Uh, I don't think. I don't think like beginning of the season. Probably not. I think Abora is probably going to be um, first month into the season. He's probably going to be on most people's waiver wire uh, in Taga leagues. I think they'll probably see him there. He'll probably have uh, started a game, subbed a game, started a game, subbed a game. Um, I don't think he's a, a knocked on every game starter for Leicester. I don't. I, I just don't see it right off the bat, um, unless they make another move before the you know the transfer window closes. Mm. Um, I, I know he's, he had seven goals, two assists, fourteen hundred plus minutes, um, and yeah, I, I mean he's he's basically he's mid he's midfield. I'm not going to say fodder because he does have skill, um, but he's not somebody that you're going to be like, all right, I'm going to draft him because you know. There's nothing else on the board. I mean, but there's guys with upside that you could probably go with instead of uh, a Vincent Abora. Yeah, my only concern with him, I'm, th- there may be people at home wondering why we're not uh, higher on him at the moment. My concern is um, what's happened with previous really good defensive midfielders that have come in. Uh, mm-hmm. Esteban Cambiaso came in, played a lot for them, did well, but not really fantasy relevant. Uh, mm-hmm. Then they brought in Conte, again, very good. Um, it wouldn't have been any better than in Togo formats because yeah. uh, obviously they at least count the tackles and interceptions, but yeah. defensive midfielders still limited in a fantasy context. Um, I mean, that, that, that Leicester list keeps going and going, now plus Mendy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now they're bringing in uh, Ibora. So th- there's value here, just like with um, Cork. Mm-hmm. The minutes will be there. So if mm-hmm. you lose somebody on a match day and they haven't played yet, Plug them in. At least get your minutes. They're probably going to do something on the pitch, but probably not enough to make them ownable every week. I, I think the term replacement level has never been more apt yeah, than uh, I, this group of players yeah. uh, we're talking about right here. Um, let's stick with Leicester for one more second, though. Rumors that Kalechi Hianacho is speaking with Leicester, which is strange to me. There are so many clubs that he could start at. This mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be one of them for me. Yeah, it, it's it's a confusing thing, um, and and the funny thing just I, I when when Lester signed Abora, uh, and then I saw them linked to you know to Ianacho, uh, I know Lester has that you know they're they're riding the tail ends of their you know their fantasy tri- you know victory from two years ago. Are the, are the, I think that these are moves that they're trying to make to better themselves in the future financially. I think that they're bringing in players that could do well for them on a limited basis. Like like Ianacho because they have Vardy or Vardy fit uh, Vardy flops, and but don't forget Vardy is going to be thirty. He's going to be thirty, right? This year, yeah. twenty nine or thirty. So I mean, it's it's not out of the wrong possibility that they're looking down the road. But I think that financially, for the price tag that Ianacho is carrying right now, I think that down the road, if he has success in limited amount of games for Leicester, uh, and I also I I just want to add that I love Leicester this year in fantasy because I think that they're the the lack of game you know added games for their Champions League and things like that. Are are going to be a boon to their fantasy, you know, outputs because I think that they played too many games last year, got exposed a little bit, and people were watching a lot of video, and now they know what's what. But now I think that they're going to see less of them, and they'll be a little bit more fantasy, you know, tolerable. How's that? Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if a board, you're, it's not a real possibility that Vincent Abora, you know, plays plays well enough in in the in, up until the the winter break, and they get offered a ton of money for a guy who has a name and they can play a position. I mean, I'm not saying that it's not going to happen, but. Mm. All right. Hey, Rob, let's take a break. Word. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. All right, and we are back from that much-deserved break, may I say. Um, as Rob mentioned earlier, we are going to go through players today. Not only are we going through players, what we're going to do is go through all 20 clubs and talk about the best values at each of them to give you a better idea of who you should be targeting from these clubs and when you should be drafting them. Uh, Rob, with Arsenal, obviously they have a lot of fantasy superstars. They already have Alexis, eh, asterisk probably. <laughs> they already have Utzel. They bring in La Cazette. Uh, so a lot of high-profile guys there. are. Even though they have a high price, are they still worth that value? Or do you need to go a little bit further down their uh, team sheet to find somebody that's the best fantasy value for uh, Arsenal there? Yeah, well, when you look at Arsenal, you, you, everybody's kind of on the radar for fantasy because they are a team that contributes basically on offense through the middle of the pitch and on defense and even in goal. Um, so I'm looking down the line a little bit. Um, there's good value in defense, but I'm going to look in the midfield, and it's Granit Xhaka. From what I saw last year, uh, I, I think that he can add to what he gave Arsenal last year and basically boost his value. His his draft value right now is probably 80th, 80th overall, I'd say, and I think that probably he should be in finish the year in the top 25 of midfielders. That would definitely be good. He does have a decent shot on him if he can get forward more. Uh, that yep. would definitely benefit him, but he does have the tackles and interceptions that you'd expect from his position. Uh, for me, Bournemouth, uh, I think I'm going to go with Adam Smith here. I obviously like Josh King, but he's riding the hot name at the moment. He'll probably be way overpaid. You have Jermaine Defoe there who scores the goals but is not very good in this format because he offers a little aside from that. Um, Charlie Daniels is probably the big-name defender. Adam Smith on the other side, though, I think is a player that's definitely – uh, chock full of fantasy value. It was tied with the most assists among defenders in the Premier League last year. Um, mm. I think you can get him probably for a song. Another kind of lesser one, maybe Ryan Fraser, although he may be like just a round replacement level, depending on how they sort out their formation. Because if they push Josh King from forward back to winger, then you put Defoe up front. That takes away a spot for Ryan Fraser to fill, but I do like him as well if he can lock down everyday starts. Uh, Rob, who do you have at Brighton? Uh... With the promoted teams, it's kind of you're hoping for the guy to put the goal, the ball in the back of the net. And for me, it's it's easily and maybe one of the only draftable names besides Steve Stidwell, Steve Stidwell's family league. Uh, it's Glenn Murray. It's uh, you're looking for strikers. The we've gone over it ad nauseum about the forward ranks and how they fall off a cliff. Uh, and I think the, from the promoted squads, you're basically looking at one position, maybe two. Guys on each team will probably be drafted in a 10-team league, uh, and, and it's Glenn Murray easily for me based on the forward ranks. Fair enough. Uh, at Burnley, uh, for me, Tom Heaton is going to be the name that everybody thinks about, but the fact that he lost Michael Keane in front of him is no small issue. Um, also, you got to assume he's going to regress. In, in the Taga format, every year you have that keeper that blows up and then all of a sudden it's garbage again. And if you remember like two years ago, it was like Lukas Fabianski. Mm -hmm. It was Herelio Gomez one Gomez. year. Yep. Um, so uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a history here of, of keepers sticking out one year and then kind of dropping off the next. I think that's probably going to happen with uh, 
Heaton here, so I'm going Robbie Brady, who a couple years ago when he was with Norwich uh, was a very interesting fantasy asset. Uh, did not really live up to his hype last year, but I think a whole offseason uh, of trying to fit him in and making sure that he's getting his touches uh, will definitely benefit Burnley. And I think if Andre Gray can reach more consistency, um, then that'll definitely help out uh, Brady as he could turn some of those key passes into assists, hopefully. Uh, nice. Now, your beloved Blues, who at Chelsea is somebody we should be keeping an eye on. Uh, yeah, it, like once again, it's like the arsenals of the world. Uh, you're not finding much value because everybody's on, on, on the radar. Um, basically, what you're looking for is the cheapest guy at a position. You're looking for OOP, you know, offensively at a position, which is great for you because Victor Moses is the guy. He's going to be listed as a defender. I think you can get him later in draft, and he'll be your defender too, or even one if you get him and you want to play, you know, an all-out midfield defense. It's possible. You can do it. Um, but but where he's being drafted, Victor Moses, for what he does, his intangibles, I think he gets a gets plenty of time, plenty of burn. I think he gets uh, his his fair share of assisting goals and everything else, the accoutrements that go with play Taga scoring. I think Victor Moses is the guy for Chelsea that will give you the most value on draft day. Yeah, uh, for Crystal Palace, uh, I've talked about him before. I'm going to double down here uh, on Andros Townsend, who I think uh, had a really good second half of last season. I think bringing in Frank DeBoer will help him a whole lot uh, with his attacking development. And like I said, he was already doing well, scored some goals, had some good assists, sends in a load of crosses. Um, you wish the accuracy rate was higher because in Taga it is the accurate crosses that count. Uh, but I think he's being slept on in a lot of leagues when I took him in the experts draft. It was suggested that I shouldn't be in the experts draft, uh, which I think uh, <laughs> it's fine if everybody else thinks that because we've talked before about... Um, you have to be willing to take your guys sometimes and that there are some guys you want to lay off of. And if everybody else wants to lay off of Townsend uh, mm-hmm. through five rounds, I'm I'm right there. Sign me up. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd take him as early as the as the fourth round, honestly. Yeah, um, I, I completely agree. And and there is not a better striker in the league for him to be partnered with than Benteke, who, as yeah. we've mentioned before, just wins every aerial duel that's ever existed. So uh, I think Andros Townsend is sneaky. Patrick Vanahan less sneaky. I think people know what he can do defensively. I think Palace definitely keep a whole lot of clean sheets under DeBoer as well. Yeah, I, it was a good pick. Oh, thanks. <laughs> for you, for Everton, obviously they've made a lot of moves. Who are you eyeing here? Uh, you know, for Everton, to me, you know, they, they have a lot of new pieces. I think Sandro is going to be overdrafted a little bit. Uh, I think Rooney gets probably drafted. He's the, you know, the Matt Ritchie effect with him. Uh, I'm going to go down way down the, the 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 defender ranks there, and if you're willing to wait for a defender, I think Seamus Coleman is going to give you yeah. great value on draft day. I think he's being overlooked. There's no saying when he's coming back, but with the bench space and the amount of defenders you start, um, I think that he has a place on your roster based on where he's being drafted. Uh, when Seamus Coleman is healthy, he's arguably in the top, would you say, five defenders? Yeah, in, arguably in top, three, but yeah, five for yeah, sure. Five, five Taga defenders. Uh, what he brings, he brings – Everton is basically a different team when Seamus Coleman is healthy. Uh, we saw that towards the end of the year when he wasn't there and they stalled and they had to go to a different formation and have guys that weren't used to doing what they were doing try to do it. And you, they, they – didn't look like the same team we saw through the first, you know, 20 games of the season. Uh, Seamus Coleman is my guy. Uh, he's going way late in drafts because of the injury concerns, but that's fine because if you're paying attention to what we what we say, you only really need three good defenders, and then you can, you know, 
bench one roster, you know, roster a bench guy, and you could take a risk on an injury guy like like a Seamus Coleman because of what he can bring to your team when he's actually healthy. Yeah, I, I think that's a great shout, Coleman. It, like you said, as long as you can wait and as long as you have defenders, you, you need to probably have at least one or two defenders on your team already mm-hmm. before making that gamble. What what league would you be comfortable taking him in? Mm, I mean, I, I'd probably actually wait. If, if you drafted him as your third defender uh, and then drafted somebody with, you know, with with flair after him, somebody on a team that has good matchups for the first three or four games and you, you, you rode that pony for a while... Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I I, I don't know where it, it's hard. It's hard because you know the draft flow would would determine where I would take them. To be honest. All right. Yeah, like Everton, Huddersfield have made <laughs> loads and loads of moves already. Um, I do like Kachunga already. I think he's interesting. Um, but uh, I think that probably the way to go is uh, Steve Mooney is probably the one here. We mentioned earlier promoted strikers, how well they've done in the past. Um, going back to like the. Charlie Austin, Danny Ings year, and then ever since then it just seems like we've had one a year. Last year probably should have been Andre Gray, but he didn't really live up to the hype yeah. as much as he should have. Uh, but I think this is the year we kind of get back to there. Uh, did a good job at Montpellier, and I think uh, is definitely an interesting one to keep an eye on. Although, like I said, I think Kachunga could be sneaky because he can contribute in a lot of different ways, um, which could definitely be of interest here. Rob, we kind of t- touched on them earlier. The whole Leicester forward situation is a mess. You have Vardy. You might have Yehia Nacho. You already have Islam Slomani. They still technically have Ajoa. Uh, mm-hmm. They still have... Um, Ahmed Musa. Ahmed Musa, who did just get changed to a midfielder in the official game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's, I'm still missing one. Okazaki. Yeah, Okazaki. <laughs> so you have 98 strikers there. Uh, but I know you're an Albrighton guy. Is that who you're going to go with as best value here? Yeah, you know, I, I think... Mark Albrighton's point totals over the last two years in in Taga scoring are going to lead him to be drafted basically right where he should be. You know, he's that he's that fifth, sixth round midfielder that you basically want because he's going to give you basically you know milk milk and bread eggs. He's basically like the you know the staples guy. Uh, I'd probably lean toward defense with with Lester. Um, and with new signing Harry Maguire, I think there's good value there. I think that he's going to come into a team that doesn't have to play the amount of extra games. I think they're going to gel better as a defender, defensive unit because I think he's going to be in- infusing youth into a defense that really doesn't have it. Uh, Fuchs will probably be a slightly overdrafted because he does a lot of intangibles in Taga scoring. So I'm looking further down, and Harry Maguire is the guy. All right, yeah. Uh, for Liverpool, they obviously also have a lot of attacking talents. Uh, and Salah, as we mentioned earlier, gives him a lot of options. Um, somebody that I think is going to be overshadowed by a lot of those attacking players is Jorginho Wijnaldum, who had a pretty good back half of last season. Um, scores goals, as you know, still only when he's at home. Um, <laughs> but uh, you, you know what will be interesting is if he can do it at Newcastle. Ooh. It used to be home, right? That, that'd be weird. Score. That'd be weird. That'd be like an interesting conundrum. <laughs> it will be an interesting one. But um, I'd take him, honestly, as early as the fifth round. Uh, fifth, sixth round, I'd be absolutely comfortable taking him. You got to figure he's going to start most of the matches. His spot is not the one that's negotiable. It's literally all of the other ones. I mean, you mm-hmm. figure Coutinho, Firmino, Mane are, are in there in some capacity, um, but Wijnaldum specifically will be one of the central midfielders. Maybe Chan will be paired with him. I don't really trust the defenders. If Milner gets classed as a defender, he becomes interesting. They aren't being linked with as many left backs as they should be, by the way. Because my argument at the start of the summer was there was no way he'd be their left back starting a Champions League season, but 
We're inching ever closer to that, but for now, I'm going to go with Genie Wijnaldum, and like I said, I'd probably take him somewhere in the fifth or sixth round. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, for Manchester City, who are you going with? Yeah, once again, it's a, I'm getting all the big teams just because it's where we started, but uh, what, if you missed the beginning and you skipped ahead because you're a Man City fan, uh, <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to find draft day values for the guys who score and, and assist and, and do the most intangibles for Taga scoring. Um, once again, I'm going to go to defense because a lot of these teams have uh, secondary. Everybody has their eyes on the forwards and the midfielders for these teams, but I think they they circumnavigate going to the defenders. And when he's healthy, Vincent Company is a different. Man City is a different team. I think Vincent Company wasn't even drafted in, in a league I in, in one league that I drafted in uh, for uh, for an expert draft. So that just shows you how sleeper of a sleeper he is. Can he stay healthy? Probably. But I'm not going to say no or yes because, you know, who knows. But if you already draft Seamus Coleman or another injury-ridden defender, you're going to stay away from Vincent Company because it's just too much to, to bear on your team. But Vincent Company could be a sneaky defender, you know, then defender 12, mm. you know, top 12 defender. But if he, if he gets 28 games, maybe. Yeah, that would definitely be interesting, I think, if you're willing to take an injured player there. Um Ilki Gundogan, who yeah, was amazing at the start of last season. Absolutely. Uh, and then pretty much immediately disappeared for the entire year again. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously hurts you a lot more in this format, though, uh, as if you if you spend a draft spot on him and then yeah. lose him all year, you've basically wasted that slot. Um, for Manchester United, uh, I'm going to go pretty <laughs> top of the heap here uh, with Paul Pogba. Yeah. Um, he may slip out of the first round. If he does, you have to snap him up for me. The, the fact that he contributes in every, stati- every statistical category makes him just an absolute stud uh, in this format. I still think, yeah. <laughs> if I asked you where he finished in the official game versus where he finished in the target game, what, what, how many spaces do you think were in between them? 40. Uh, let's see. This is exactly 60. There he finished go. 14th in Togo last year um, just because he literally fills up every category. He's, he's the footballing equivalent of a five-tool uh, player in baseball. He literally yeah. contributes in everything. So if, even if the goals aren't there, the tackles are there. If the interceptions aren't there, the assists are there. If the assists aren't there, the chances created are there. He just literally fills the stat sheet. Um, and so I feel like coming off of what people considered a disappointing real-life year, his stock may be a little bit low right now. Don't be the person that passes him by because of what you're concerned about what happened last season. I think, A, it was a down year in his first year in the Premier League, and he'll only continue to improve from there. And, B, in that down year, he was still a top 15 player in this format. Yeah. Um, so if, if even if I have the turn, if it's if he's available at pick 11, I'm taking him. Yeah, I, I Pog went to me. I, I'd actually be so bold that if I didn't get one of the first three spots where you miss out on, say, Kane, Lukaku, Sanchez, you miss out on the, the top three strikers, and you're looking for a midfielder that can possibly give you more of an output than he did last year, Pogba's the guy. Mm. And will probably get consistent minutes. Unlike your De Bruyne's who may struggle for minutes, your sons obviously won't be getting consistent minutes. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, all of a sudden, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I well, I don't know if I take him that early, but I agree with you that you could definitely consider it, and that he may end up there come the end of the year. Uh, who do you have a, uh, for us for Newcastle? Uh, once again, it's like Brighton. You're looking for guys who do the most in bunches. So you're looking for strikers or midfielders with you know with the ability to do everything. Uh, you, you know, Matt Ritchie is, is there. But I'm not drafting Matt Ritchie because he's going to be overdrafted. We've said that a couple <laughs> times. 
Um, so once again, I'm looking for strikers from promoted teams, and it's Dwight Gale. I think Dwight Gale can give you some kind of production where you're not going to kill yourself on draft day. He'll probably be one of your last two picks overall. Uh, you know, you basically sandwich Dwight Gale with a goalie, and you got a happy target draft. I think he had 27 goals last year. Um, yep. Also, their defense was the best in the championship last year, and we have seen good defenses come up lately with Burnley and Middlesbrough last year. So mm-hmm. Yedlin is the obvious choice because he had so many assists. Um, but when I was talking to a Newcastle friend of mine about Newcastle, he said, keep an eye on Kieran Clark, who apparently yep. is the preferred target on a lot of set pieces and hit the post several times. Um, mm-hmm. So assuming that he's not going, um, maybe you have to be in a deeper league, like a 12-teamer, to even think about it. You may be able to pick him up off waivers, but just somebody to kind of keep an eye on throughout the season. Um, for Southampton, we talked about uh, them bringing in Pellegrino and what that means for their team, how it really emphasizes on the 10. Is it going to be Tadish? We don't really know. I'm still kind of iffy on Tadish, unfortunately, because who here hasn't been burned by him at some point? Uh, but I'm going to go Sophie and Buffal. He is a mercurial talent, to be sure. But when he's on his day, he is phenomenal. This is very much a gamble because in Taga, it does, the, the format benefits players that are consistently playing and consistently at least putting out a somewhat decent level of return. Like, Tadish ended up being a top 60 player uh, because of that. But for me, I think you could pick him up in, in the last couple rounds, Sofiane Buffal, and you could genuinely get a top 30-ish player uh, by yeah, the end of the year if he cool. started every match and performed up to his abilities. That's a good um, call. Who uh, are you liking at Stoke? Is it is it the Joe Allen show again? No. It, it, it's this is, the, this is where you start talking about goalies. I think Butland this year could be the Tom Heaton bust out guy yeah. uh, from last year. I think Stoke, the way that they are configured, their bend but don't break or break but don't bend defense, depending on the day, I think could be be a boon to his fantasy output. I, I think he's going to get you tons of saves. I think Stoke will get you some clean sheets, but not a, a great amount that they're you know in the top three or four teams. Um, but you know Burnley didn't didn't clean sheet at everybody and Heaton still ended the year as one of the top goalkeepers. So I think Butlin is the guy for Stoke. If you're looking for someone, uh, I, I don't, I'm not in love with anybody on their defense. Uh, you can't really fall in love with anybody, you know, in the forward ranks, their midfielders are effective, but not awesome. Shakiri, Allen, you know, uh, Arnautovich, you know, there, there's not anybody there that you're going to, you're going to buy into and be like, all right, I feel comfy buying him here because they're all probably going to be later round picks, you know, figure round eight, to eight and twelve, so I mean, Butland to me is in as your as your goalie one in the last round or second to last round, whenever the goalie run starts, you, you really can't go wrong with that. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. The interesting thing is the Arnautovic uh, to West Ham rumor, which then was backed up with him uh, doing a transfer request and then getting hurt the same day. So yeah. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see. What happens with dear old Arnie? Uh, for Swansea, uh, Sigurdsson is obviously the name of note. What happens between Lorente uh, and Tammy Abraham will be very interesting. Obviously, Tammy Abraham was terrific last year in the championship. Um, who I'm going to go with here may surprise some people, but I'm going to go with Martin Olsen, who Ooh. tore up the scene uh, at left back once he started coming to Swansea. Obviously, they were still conceding goals. I think that that'll improve um, this year. <laughs> they no longer have Jordi Amat, praise everything. Although they do probably need another defender in, but Alfie Mawson is a very good young center back as well, <laughs> who scored a weird amount of headers. But I think <laughs> people will look at Swansea's concession numbers, mm-hmm. <laughs> conceded numbers. Yeah, one of those. I don't think concession is the right word there, <laughs> but uh, like a concession speech, but for their own net. Um, but anyway, Martin Olsen, you know this. This is the uh, 
debate from years past of Joel Ward versus Scott Dan. Martin Olsen is going to put in a lot of crosses that could turn into goals. And, and I almost said Jordi Amat now. And Alfie Mawson will weirdly get his head on it just because his heading positioning is insane. Like he did it mm-hmm. for the, I think it was the U20s or U21s. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This summer as well. He just has a really annoying knack for being able to put his head on the ball. And if they still have Gilfie Sigurdsson, he'd be interesting as well. But all I'm saying is don't automatically rule out the Swansea guys. And these are super discount guys. You can get them in the last two rounds. Um, assuming that you don't also need to uh, still get your goalkeeper, but I like both of them as like crazy super discount guys. You do continue to get all the good teams. Who do you like at Tottenham this year? Obviously, it's going to be interesting with Lamella potentially returning to the fold. Yeah, I don't like anybody from Spurs. I don't. I don't there's nobody there oh. for fantasy. There's oh, interesting. No, yeah, they're they're pretty bad, huh? I would I would completely not. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> once again, I get a good team. You know, they're going to have three guys taken to the top fifteen. Kane, Ali, uh, Erickson, mm. and then you go you go further down. Youngman's son is going to be drafted pretty high, and then you you automatically get into the defenders that are going to contribute, especially in a toggle format with Walker and Rose. Um, that doesn't leave many positions down, you know, to think about when you get down towards the end. Uh, you know, Loris is basically just a keeper, I think, in this format. I don't think he's there's anything that differentiates him. Sheets. Yeah, it's just different. There's nothing that differentiates him from anyone else. Um, it's t- it's it. Spurs is tough because there's either highs or there's the goalie. Mm. Um, but I mean, I mean, you can get good value if, if you're if you still believe in Kieran Trippier. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you can get a you can get one. Maybe how about how about Victor Wanyama? I'll go with Victor Wanyama. For a, for a for a draft day because it does reward defensive midfielders. I think that there's there's meat on the bone for Wanyama to, to score more. I know he's not great. He scored like five goals last year. Which no, I don't no, think I meant a lot of people overall. Know. I meant scoring overall in yeah. in Taga. I think that there's meat on the bone there for him to add add some points to his total. That'll probably people will probably completely not even get to his name on lists because you know he's so far down. But don't forget Victor Wanyama first person. Yeah, um, Watford is an interesting one. They obviously disappointed a lot last year with what was the former year strike duo of Igalo and Dini being just a bastion of fantasy points turning into much, much less bastiony. Um, <laughs> I do think this is an interesting one. Daryl Yamnot is an interesting option, uh, for me. But Will Hughes, just joining them is interesting, but I've taken him in several mock drafts and I, I'm, I'm just going to roll with him as long as he's still there. Roberto Pereira was starting at Juventus Mm -hmm. two years ago. Goes Mm -hmm. to Watford, has a few early goals, gets injured, kind of loses out on his spot, doesn't really come back in any significant way. Um, If he he gets some run, I definitely like him. Dini also, he kind of is what he is. He isn't phenomenal at this point. But, uh, again, kind of like the Pogba thing, people may be down on him because of last year's performance, which still wasn't, you know, awful by any stretch. Um, but it was very disappointing compared to the previous year. But you still got to figure he's going to be on penalties. Uh, but mm-hmm. for me, I'm I'm going to go with Pereira again, a player that you can probably get the last, maybe not the last two rounds, but like the last three or four. I feel like a lot of people have just entirely deleted him from their radar, kind of like your company call uh, due to the injury last season. Uh, next up, we have West Brom. They add J Rod. They already have our boy Matty P. They got Nasser Chadley in the house. Uh, or are you going to maybe go for a defender here? Uh, you know, I I'd love to say Matty Phillips, but Matty Phillips is actually get is is really good value right now. I don't think people bought into the that you know the eight to ten game stretch he had last year. That basically he was basically one of the best players in the Premier League from a fantasy output wise for that for that stretch. Um, I think if you're looking for for a West Brom player, I think that you're either going to be 
in a position in a draft where you're going to take a defender or you're probably going to look somewhere else besides West Brom's offensive players. So I think you're probably late in drafts, round 13, 14, 15, 16, depending on where you are. You're probably looking at a defender, and I think you could probably get either, you know, I think you could get Gareth McCauley probably late. I think I think people are sleeping on his 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 goodness. I mean, he went in the tenth, the tenth round in the expert draft that we, we Kevin was mentioning before. But I, I think in some drafts, I think he'll slip down because I don't think that he gives people enough. I think they're used to him scoring goals, but I don't think they're they're used to his intangibles the way that Tog is going to give him. Yeah, I, I think that's an excellent shout. How do you feel about Craig Dawson these days? I, I like Craig Dawson. I think he's a serviceable number three defender, especially in Taga. And even in official game, I think depending on his price, I think he'll be useful. Yeah, I think Craig Dawson equals Eric Peters in their lack of excitement, but also ever-present mm-hmm. functionality. He's always fo- he's always forward on set pieces, and he's always right around the ball during cr- on, on corners. Yeah, always. Yep. Uh, for West Ham, uh, the two big names are obviously going to be Antonio and Lanzini. Although I think Antonio is slipping a bit as well. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think part of it is I've referenced this before his weird Dempseyfication of like mm. nobody actually knowing what his best position is. So it makes yeah. it hard for people to like visualize him. Of like, what is he going to bring? I'll tell you what he's going to bring: headed goals because he gets mm-hmm. all of them. Um, Goods. So I do think he's going to get slept on a little bit. But there's another player that both you and I think is going to have a huge bounce back this year, and that's Andre Ayew, mm-hmm. um, who is probably going to be listed as a forward this year. But probably deserves to do that, didn't he? He had like 15 goals at Swansea two years ago. Um, I, think it was like, I think it was like 18. It may well have been. Yeah, it was a very impressive season. So you get Antonio healthy, you get Lanzini healthy. Um, a little more distribution for them. Hopefully, with Zavaleta there, a little more impetus going forward from the wing back positions, which was a huge issue for them last season. Uh, and all of a sudden, I think Andre Ayew is going to be really interesting. You can probably get him. I know you took him. I think you took him in the fifth round. In our mock, I don't think most people are going to do that. Rob and I are very high on him. You can probably get him in the sixth and seventh, and probably get a really sixth. good return out of him. I took him in the sixth. Gotcha. Okay, so yeah, that's that same area, sixth or seventh, uh, and I think he's definitely worth the gamble there. Although, like I said, Antonio, you may be able to get for a song. I mean, if Antonio's still there in the fourth or fifth round, yeah, he shouldn't take, be. He, he should not be. be. That is correct. <laughs> all right, and that is all twenty teams. Going to wrap up with a game that I didn't tell Rob we were going to do. We're each going to take a swing at who is going to be the highest scoring player. At each position before we wrap up this four series, this four, sorry, this four episode series that we've been doing for Taga. So, Rob, we'll start with you. Which forward do you think will have the most Taga points come the end of the year? Uh, I'll say Alexis Sanchez. I know I'm breaking the breaking the world record there. <laughs> I will biasedly say Kane. I think it's a three. I think it's a triumvirate at the top of Kane, Alexis, Lukaku. But I think Kane tops the heap there. Who do you think will be the most valuable midfielder come the end of the year? Uh, I'm going to say it's Paul Pogba. I'll go. I'll go a little bit, you know, obtuse. So I'll say Pogba scores the most points. That, I mean, I, I really don't think that's too obtuse. I, I agree with you. He's going. To I think. Absolutely. I think he scores more goals, and I think he gets a little more assists to add to his his kit. And I, I think basically all the other intangibles are there for him to just be the top scorer. Yeah. Um. I I want to go De Bruyne. But I'm just injured. Injuries are an issue. That's not what I meant to say, though. Mm. What I am concerned about is there are just so many Manchester City attacking players now. Mm-hmm. Where will that put him? Will he get the minutes? It's not an issue for Eden Hazard, um, who I think really showed what he was capable of again last season. Ended up finishing second in Taga last year. Uh, so I'm going to back him and say that he comes back again next year and turns it on yet again. We'll still kind of rely on who that forward ends up being. 
Because Diego yeah. Costa had a fair amount of assists for a forward. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go with Eden Hazard for now. Anyway, uh, for defenders, who do you think tops the heap? Uh, I'll go different here. I, I know everybody's thinking, everybody at home screaming into the microphone going, oh, Marcus Alonso. But I'll go see Ed Kolesniak from Arsenal. Oh, really? I think that he, yeah. I, th- I think that he could bring basically unfound goodness for the Gunners' defense. Interesting. Um, man, I really don't want to take Rose because it makes me look so homery. Um but you are a homer, so <laughs> it's true. Uh, hmm. Yeah, no, I'll just stick with it. Although, as I mentioned to you before, I think Manchester United ended up keeping the most clean sheets. Um, mm-hmm. But Danny Rose is such a good foundation of both goals and assists, much like Marcus Alonso. But I'm still a little iffy about him because of the whole Alexandro rumor, mm-hmm. which could really cut into his playing time. Walker and Trippier on the other side have a debate there between who would be a better fantasy option. I personally think it would be Trippier um, just because of all the crosses. He was tied with the most assists, and he only started like 14 games last season. Wow. Uh, so obviously that would be incredible if he was getting to start in a fantasy aspect. Or in a fantasy aspect. But Danny Rose is going to start every week. If Seamus Coleman was starting every week, you know what? It, like if he was fit, I'd potentially put him up there. But I'm, I'm going to go with Danny Rose. He's only going to miss the first couple of games and then uh, – after that, hopefully he'll go on a bit of a tear and stay fit for the majority of the season. We've already talked goalkeepers. Neither of us think it's going to be Heaton. Do you think it is going to be Butland? Or? No, I, I, I'm riding the Leicester thing. I think Schmeichel's going to be the, the goalkeeper this year. But I think Butland would, could be that guy as well. But I'll go with Schmeichel only because I've been riding his pony for most of the drafts we've been doing. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, if Van Dyke stays at Southampton, I would say Fraser Forster. Um, just because he's such a good shot stopper on penalties specifically, that just racks you up so many points. Can keep a good clean sheet. The defense is just shaky enough that he still gets a lot of saves. Uh, but that not being uh, the case likely with Van Dyke probably on the move. I loved your Butlin shout earlier. I think he is mm-hmm. literally the perfect combination where the first half of the season, um, he's probably going to be facing a whole lot of shots, but then they'll probably shore things up down the stretch. Um, and so that's a... That's, uh, Situation I really like, especially if they ended up getting Zuma. I mean, that would just launch him up even higher in my esteem. Uh, so, yeah, those are who we think are going to finish top of the positions. You can tweet us and let us know uh, who you think will finish at yours. Also, we are going to be opening up a league for some of our fans. Uh, hopefully a 12-team, but if we only get 10, it'll be a 10-team. Um, we would definitely love to get more feedback from you guys on Twitter, so give us a shout. I'm at Kevroff. He's at Smokey underscore Loogie. Uh, Rob, anything you want to tell the folks before we get out of here? No, happy drafting and glad that we could uh, do this four-part series for Play Taga. Uh, they're, hopefully their their kit and their draft stuff launches soon so that you can parlay this information into your own draft and amuse yourselves for hours like a, like a slinky. <laughs> I do not have that experience with slinkies, but as Rob said, huge, huge thanks to Play Taga. You can find them at Play Taga on Twitter, playtaga.com and blog.playtalker.com for all of their written content. Uh, so, yeah, massive thanks to them. Have had a great time talking draft with Rob. We'll obviously keep you apprised on our Experts League throughout the season. Like I said, we're going to try to do a Fans League. Uh, maybe have some of the people that are doing well on that, maybe even on the show. Who knows? We won't know unless you guys try to join our league. So, again, just tweet us at Kavroff, at Smokey underscore Lugie. But thanks so much, Rob, for doing the series with us. Thanks again to Play Toggle for putting us on this uh, four-episode project. Thanks to you guys for listening at home, and we'll be back soon. Peace. Thank you.